what is going on my what's going on everybody welcome to another edition of you guessed it joe's crime stories if it's your first time uh tuning in to the broadcast do me a favor go ahead on and hit that like button go ahead on and hit that subscribe button go ahead on and hit that notification bell up top please like and share please like and share now with that being said guys we're gonna go ahead on and jump right into this now guys you know when i make these type of stories you know it really it really breaks my heart to have to be the one to talk about uh stories of this nature now today's story is for this month i am going to be talking about actual family annihilators i know i said it was going to be husbands killing their wives but i said why not talk about husband annihilators so with my producer in the building jh556 i'm going to just go ahead on and i'm going to go into and talk about the story of chris coleman imagine you being a man who has it all okay i'm talking about you have a great job a great family you have a very religious based lifestyle then all of a sudden out of nowhere it comes all crashing down because you have allowed yourself to get sucked in by a desire inside of you that you have never took the time to address beforehand but before we get into that we're going to talk about chris coleman the man who wound up doing the unthinkable to his beautiful wife and his kids as well. So with that being said, let's start. Now, Chris Coleman was a preacher's kid, all right? His parents was Ron and Connie Coleman. His dad, was very religious okay now from neighboring towns black and white young and old they feel not the denominational uh churches give me one second And this was every week. Now, the Coleman boys grew up speaking in tongues, which they call cold from the Holy Spirit. All right. And basing their decisions on quotes from scriptures. Now, their father uh, preached clear teachers from the Bible. And there was always music. The kind that makes teenage girls sing at the top of their lungs and weep with sheer joy of being loved by the man upstairs. This is 
so far sounds like the best type of family you would want to uh, be around in the type of environment you want to raise your children around. Now, amid of all of this, Chris was very reserved as a child, okay? He was the quietest and the gentlest of the three blonde, blonde well-mannered Coleman boys. His mother says the worst curse word she ever heard of her son say was the word piss. That's right, the word piss. Now, Chris Coleman was born in March 20th, 1977, okay? Real name was Christopher Coleman, but everybody called him Chris. Just want to make sure you knew that. Now, his junior high coach, where he was very athletic when he played basketball, baseball, and track, says, uh, which was Charlie Madeline, you couldn't ask for a better kid. He was very kind. He was a team player. He said, I, I, I didn't even have to ever fuss at him about a player or anything. It's just he had to tell him one time, and that's what he did. Okay? Now, he did one time, had a bad moment as a teenager. He went out with his boys while he was an athlete, and he has engaged in the worldly taste of alcohol. But because of his parents' religious relief, and he, and he felt so guilty, that he called his high school basketball coach and confessed. And he wouldn't even go hunting with his father. Shout out to Roger, my second producer. So when a Marine recruiter came to his high school, Chris came home with a sparkle in his eye, okay? He was impressed by the way the guy carried himself, and he was so impressed by how this man had a love for country, for America. Chris Coleman was like, I'm on it, dog. I'm going to the Marines. And that's exactly what he did right after high school. Now, Ron thinks, uh, his dad thinks that his son would have probably stayed in the service for probably 20 plus years, is that when the whole Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal happened, it kind of put a bad taste in the young man's mouth. And well, he was disappointed. <laughs> Looks like when we get further in the story, he might have been inspired by old Bill, but we'll talk about that later. Then he met the love of his life, Sherry. All right. Now, Sherry was also in the military. She was in the Air Force. And at the time, Chris was 22. He was piling up military certificates and honors when they met. She was 21. She was a military police officer in the U.S. Air Force. And they were both studying at the K-9 Training Center in San Antonio. Three months later, in August 1997, Ron stood at the window of the family home in Chester watching his son's car pull up. Connie, he called. He got somebody with him. Chris introduced Sherry as a friend who lived in Chicago. He said he was going to run her home. We didn't pick up anything, Ron says. 
except she was a worldly little girl little short shorts tattoo on her leg not the person we thought he'll be with so right then and there you hear that you see that family wasn't feeling the little girl because she's a little worldly now the reason why sherry was like that because sherry was catholic based okay so catholic religion they're a little bit more how can i put this freer with experiencing the world versus the uh evangelistic evangel uh, evangelical evangelistical faith okay when you with the evangelistical faith they're a little bit more stricter they're a little bit more about you supposed to be a woman reserved don't mark your body you know the whole nine now chris left to drive sherry home and didn't come back the next morning the phone rang his first words were dad you'll never believe what we did we got married now ron remembers i even said he was quiet chris said dad you don't seem excited i said uh give me a few minutes chris realized right away that the marriage hadn't been godly ron asked my gosh he was raised to church he was repenting and broken over it he said oh i i just got caught up in the moment connie recalls we said well it's a lifetime but we found out later that she was pregnant ron adds and it happens i mean i was in the military i got my first wife i didn't get her pregnant but i married her so it happens man you young like that you just don't you get married early he was growing his hair out though in spring of 2009 the saturday before everything went downhill now before we get to going downhill let's talk about after that happened what happened after that so as time went on they both get out of the military they both are having kids and they both settled down in columbia illinois now columbia illinois is a part of monroe county now i want to say and let me look this up for y'all guys right quick one second there we go columbia illinois it has a population roughly about ten thousand five hundred and thirteen people so it is quietly a small town part of monroe county in saint Clarence county now it's huge demographics is uh geography is it's west by the mississippi river okay all right it's uh near st louis county uh, you know it's it, it's not that i think it's near yeah missouri st louis county in missouri so it's a beautiful place you know it's a good place to raise a family so they decide to move there you know everything is doing good now while that is going on chris coleman gets the job of a lifetime that people dream about chris coleman got selected to start working with 
the evangelist female named Joyce Myers. Joyce Myers is a pretty big deal uh, as a televangelist lady, okay? And she travels all around the U.S., okay, preaching the word of God. Now, Joyce Myers' ministry uh, really at the time uh, needed a real person experience with security. So who does she wind up picking off for that job? No other than that young man that we're talking about right now, Mr. Chris Coleman. And that was because of Chris Coleman's uh, experience in uh, being a prior Marine, knowing about electricity. I mean, knowing about how the flow of things go with security, the ins and outs. So it was awesome. Now, with working with Joyce Meyer means you have to do a lot of travel. Not only do you get a lot of traveling, but he was averaging about 100000 to 200000 a year as part of one of her close staff members. This was exciting for the family. Now, as for his lovely wife, Sherry, Sherry was now a stay-at-home mother, okay? Taking care of the two boys, doting on them, making them feel like mama has always got their back. Again, they are living the American dream. But uh, as this is going on and everything else, uh, he is also being so active in the ministry of his local church. Again, everything is good. Like, you know, this guy is, life's great. So one day, Sherry gets a call from one of her dear friends. Laura Lentz. Laura Lentz is this attractive, good-looking, amazing, different than Sherry type of woman. Okay, but she she's just got a lot of she's got a lot of issues. All right, she's just she's just lost. You know, she's always making not the best choices in her life at that time. So. She needs some kind of guidance, some kind of mentor. So, Laura, I mean, uh, Sherry's like, listen, Laura, you know, my husband is about uh, about to go towards Tampa, Florida. He's got a big conference that's located with Joyce Myers because he does the security work for her. Why don't you meet with my husband? He can sit down. He can talk to you about some choices that you could get involved in the type of church and faith that we have. And maybe it might be able to minister you and help you get out of trouble. Women, let me give you some advice. If you have a good looking friend, okay, like she's fucking gorgeous. And your husband has never, ever, ever been around something like that. Don't go and hook him up to talk to somebody as worldly like that, because nine times out of ten, temptation and everything could go downhill real fast. But I guess at the time, Sherry herself, wrapped in the faith, love her husband, got naive and got a little bit un, very, yeah, not so thinking so brightly. So he hears that his wife tells him, "Hey, I got my friend from high school." 
She's in Tampa now where you're going. I need you to go there, talk to her. She's going through some things. So uh, her husband, Chris, is like, yeah, cool. All right, I'll do it. I meet her for lunch. Let's see what's up. So when Chris got there, mind you now, Chris is making all this money, head of security. He's starting to got this ego going on for itself. He see this gorgeous woman that looks like temptation from a porno movie. This man like, yo, what? I'm interested, huh? Okay, all right, I think I can do that, yeah. Let me get myself together. So he goes up here, you know, doing what I'm doing now with my hair, you know, get so together. Yeah, hey, what's up, baby? Let's sit down, let's talk. Let me let me give you a little bit of the word. So they're talking about the, about the Bible stuff, but as time goes on, they go from Bible stuff to start talking about some of the favorite stuff that they like to do. And they find out that they relate to each other more than what he was expecting. And they created a connection the first day of meeting. Now, you would say, well, okay, they, they, they created a connection. So maybe he waited a few months and then acted upon his connection of attraction. No, no, no. By the next day, they had lunch again. And when they had lunch... It went from lunch to they immediately started having an affair. Immediately. Like the whole time he was on in Tampa on business for Minister Joyce, they were getting it in. So after this good old meeting happens and everything else, the wife sees her husband, you know, that he's been gone for a while. She's thinking in her mind, things are going to be okay. You know, we're going to get back to routine. I'm going to love on my husband. He's going to be happy to see me and boom, me out, bam. Everything's going to be beautiful. <sighs> no, not exactly. It didn't go that way. Uh, this dude goes home and immediately blows his wife off. Like, yeah, uh, you know, babe, I, I need that space. You know, things, you know, you, you're really getting on my nerve kind of thing. So she's like, well, that's strange. Why would he do that? And it got to the point that it got so bad that all of a sudden he basically tells her, listen, you know, right now I'm just, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. You really giving cluttering me. I need to start staying downstairs and chilling. Well, you would think, well, why would this husband of hers want to go downstairs in the basement and sleep when he's got a beautiful wife who's had two of his kids and still look great upstairs because he was enamored by the new woman that was that's right laura litz see he would go and text laura all night long on his cell phone on his uh laptop whatever he could get a chance to talk to laura that's what he was doing so As time goes on, he goes to another trip out of town. When he goes out of town again, he pays for Laura Lynch to come through and hang with him while he's supposed to be doing security work for Mrs. Joyce Meyer. Now, while he's doing that, he's getting it in. He's getting it in. He's getting it in. Like he's 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 just loving the fact of what all is going on this that and the third with this woman then he comes back again 
withdrawn from his wife. And in fact, he goes as far and tells his wife that he possibly may want thinking about ending it all. That's right, Roger. Now, when he says that, you would think that all of this, he said he wants to possibly may want to he may want a divorce or whatever or anything like that. He all of a sudden start getting threats from the internet. Somebody is basically saying that they want to come after him and his family. Now, at first, he hears about it. He tells his wife, she, you know, he's shooken up, supposedly. But she's like, uh, listen, you know, you're a Marine. You know, you're, you're trained in, you know, combat. You, you know, you head of security for Joyce Myers. I'm quite sure that whoever's doing this is just trying to play around. You got our back. We're not, I'm not worried. Okay. So he goes and he tells Joyce Myers and them. But before he tells them that, he talks to them about the possibility of how it would do, how it would affect him if he decided to divorce. Now, here's the thing I forgot to add in this. Joyce Myers' uh, organization has a very strict policy about couples divorcing. If you divorce your wife because you are having an extramarital affair or they find out you are having an extramarital affair, they will terminate your employment. Ain't no ifs and buts about it. Now, if you got a divorce because of, you know, she's having an infidelity or, you know, you're going through a lot of stress or whatever stress is going on in your life, if it's to the point that it's hindering you to do what you need to do for the organization and as she would put it, carry out God's mission, they'll understand. So they made that very clear to him. So his his guys on that was, all right, so if I divorce my wife and I tell them, I got to make it clear why I got a divorce. You know what I'm saying? But he also told them about what was going on with the whole threats. Like, you don't get these threats. I don't know what's going on, you know, uh, but I'm handling it. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Well, you're the head of security. You're going to be the one dealing with it. So, all right, if you say it's okay, we're good. So Chris continues to still get it on with this girl. I mean, Laura Lynch is all in his mind. He's still sleeping in the basement. He still ain't giving his wife the proper attention. All right. So the wife is getting to the point. She put in two and two together because she put two and two together because she started finding out from a secret source that they never named in this whole mystery and this whole saga told her like yo sherry i hate to tell you baby but laura your homie your girl your best friend the one you try to help out yeah she helping herself all right she's helping herself pleasuring herself with your husband that's what she doing she's all over him they flying out they doing things that's why your husband acting crazy that's why he keeps talking about divorce he don't want to make it work so she knew about it now did she confront him sources say she did sources say she didn't now i think from the uh chris coleman in the case when it went further along he said she didn't know so i don't know for sure but 
somebody a closer said they had put it in her in her head that he was messing with Laura Lynch. So by that time, she's talking to him like, yo, I know you messed with somebody. I guess she said she suspected, but she didn't drop no name. And that's when he busts out, well, I want a divorce. And she said, well, I'm not divorcing you. I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to fight for this marriage. You stuck with me. We done had these kids. I done changed my religion. Ain't happening, player. I'm here. That's where it's at. So he knows now he's stuck in a rock and a hard place. So in the meantime, there's some more threats coming to the family. This time, the threats are coming in the mailbox. Somebody writing a letter saying, yo, I know where y'all at. I know where y'all stay. Hey, it's going to get real. I'm going to get you. So he reports this to the police. The police says, okay, uh, you know, what? you got threats also on the computer. Do you want us to investigate? His thing was, well, could y'all at least put some units out here so my family would be more safe? I just want my family safe. That's what he told the cops. And they said, all right, we'll patrol the area more. Now, while he had done told, said the divorce, he's wanted a divorce, he wanted a divorce, he wanted a divorce, and she says that she's going to fight for more. He went on a trip with this girl again. Now, in this trip, this time they were at Hawaii because he was at a conference. He's at Hawaii and this, that, and the third. Now, Laura has done got to the point, she's so in love with Chris as well that she's tired of being the side chick, all right? Lord, like, listen, I'm putting in work. I'm being flown all over the place. You spoiling me and you're talking to me all the time. You tell me you love me. We're sending all these nasty pictures to each other. I want to be Mrs. Coleman. So that's what Laura told him. Listen, I want to be your woman for life. So it's either you going to have to do something with this woman that you keep coming home to with these kids or I'm bouncing. Because I don't want to be second fiddle to nobody. Chris tells her, I'm going to divorce my wife. In fact, I'm going to file paperwork and have them serve her. Goes back to good old Columbia, Illinois. He's still telling his wife, even though she's, he goes to his wife, he's supposed to be filing this paperwork. She didn't went and call his employer. She calls his employer and tell Joyce Myers and them, me and my husband having trouble. He wants a divorce, and I don't know what's going on. I suspect that maybe he he may be doing something outside of marriage. She's not telling me. He gets pissed. Why did you call them? Why are you telling them that? You know how they are. They're going to be wanting to be in our business. This could mess up our job, the income. And she's like, well, I got to do something. You're not talking to me. You won't go to counseling with me. So he goes to his employee and meet with them while he's in Columbia, Illinois. They tell him. Listen, bro, you got to do something with your wife's situation. You either want to go to counseling or and make this joint work because we done told you if you divorce, you got to have a valid reason because if Miss Joyce decides that that reason that you got ain't valid, she going to kick you to the curb. There's just no if and buts about it. That's how we roll. All right. He goes and tell her, I'm going to go to counseling. Well, he's going to counseling. He's really not making no effort. He hates it. He despises it. He ain't feeling it. He ain't liking it at all. But at the end of the day, he knows this is what he has to do. So still he's talking to Laura Lynch. They make plans to go to the Super Bowl together. And the Super Bowl this time was in Florida. So he go in Miami, Florida to be exact. 
he goes and tell his wife, listen, you know, I'm going to the I'm going to the Super Bowl with my boys. Wife is like, you're not going to the Super Bowl with your boys. You're going to the Super Bowl to see this damn bitch. That was the thing on mine. I know it is. So she begging him, don't go to the Super Bowl. Stay to the house. You know, maybe have a party with the guys. He's like, listen, I'm going, man. I'm going to the Super Bowl with these with the boys. And that's that. So she just took it off as maybe it's just her being crazy, being here in 2009, but it is what it is. You know, New Year, maybe things do, do better. So he goes to the Super Bowl. Why at the Super Bowl? You know he with Laura Lentz. They getting it in, they chilling, they having a good time. So his wife decides to send him a selfie of trying to be sexy, trying to get his attention. When she sent him the selfie and she was looking for a good response. This response that she got was very cold because it was her best friend, Laura, who got that had the hold of Chris's phone when she sent it. And she replied back, look, I don't love you. I don't want to be married to you anymore. You know, you got to stop. It's just too much. So Sherry's devastated because she sent this picture to her husband thinking that they're going to counseling was going to work and it's not. So he returns from the, uh, um, uh, for the, uh, the whole Super Bowl trip with his mistress, come back on to his wife. Wife is cold to him. And, you know, he kind of, I think he has an idea what this lady wrote. I mean, he ain't crazy. Um, but you know, he carrying on and she said, she's still letting him know, like, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to fight for my marriage. Well, here we go again. Here's some more letters. Pop in the mailbox. More threatening. Talking about they were going to come get him and his family. So he tells the cops about it. The cops are like, listen, um, we'll take this. You know, we'll look into it. But we'll definitely going to be in the area. So they decided to go out here while being in the area, roaming around. Everything dies down. Okay. They ain't hearing nothing about these letters for a couple of months. Chris is still working for Joyce Myers, going out of town, doing his thing. Now, I think he's also still messing with Laura, still flying her out, doing his thing. So, here it goes. The story that changes everything. It all started on May the 4th, 2009. It was Vanessa. Can we sleep over, please? Gary asked. Now, he had just turned 11 four days ago. Tomorrow morning, uh, Vanessa Ridrick's son, Brandon, will turn nine, the same age as Gary's little brother, uh, Gavin. And the boys want to sleep over as a party ritual. She said, Absolutely. You don't even have to ask. You, you run home, tell your mom and dad to pack your clothes and book bags for tomorrow for school tomorrow. Garrett tears home. They live four houses away on the cul-de-sac over there in Columbia, Illinois. All right. Five minutes later, he's back. His shoulder slumped. My dad said the night is not a good night. We have to be home by 8.30. What? Richard said, surprised, but keeping her voice playful. I should go tell your mom and dad. Come on, let's let them stay. Yeah, go tell them, Garrett exclaims, brightening. But Richard's promise the following Saturday instead at 8.30 p.m., she sends the boys home, okay? The next morning, she's hurrying Brandon in a neighbor kid so she can bring Brandon's birthday treats to school. 
hey, there's police everywhere, the neighborhood kid said. She thinks he's stalling and pulling her leg until she sees the yellow tape around the little boyfriend's house. Another neighbor that lived down the street, Detective Sergeant Justin Barlow, who will be instrumental in this case, uh, wakes to a ringing phone at 6.42 a.m. in the morning. He was up three hours ago trying to rock his wide-awake six-month-old babe back to sleep. He glanced out the window as he jiggled the baby, wondering whether the threatening letters the Colmans have been receiving are anonymous as they sound. Now, Chris Colvin is on the phone. Barlow doesn't really know the guy. He waved to him a couple of times, but Chris and his wife, Sherry, moved into the Columbia Lake subdivision but saw no response. A few days ago, though, another officer showed Barlow the threats. So they're showing them the threats, right? They started with emails on November the 14th. Uh, talking about the, the, the woman preaching bullshit. And then the most recent one on April 27th. This is my last warning. Your worst nightmare is about to happen. Now, Barlow offered a mount of surveillance video camera in his three-year-old son's window, aimed straight at the Coleman's mailbox, but the camera's on now, clicking and whirling in the background. As Chris says, in essence, my wife's not answering the phone. I need you to check on her and the kids. I'm on the JV Bridge. I'll be there in about five minutes. Now, this is going to be very important. I'm not going to go and read no more of this article because I know what happened from there. Now, you want to ask why he did that. He was at the gym because he's supposed to get this is his ritual. He goes to the gym and work out. So he said, I'm going to call my wife. I can't get I can't get in touch with him. So you got this detective that lives down the street, Barlow. All right. He throws on his cold clothes. He go Now, he go do what he's supposed to do, do a welfare check. He calls his department. All right. The Columbia Police Department. He grabs his weapon, his cuffs and radio. He's in the front porch, and he waits for the officer, Jason um, Dijon, to pull up. So they do their proper procedure. You know, they go in. You know, they're knocking on the door. You know, nobody answering. Uh, you know, he calling out. So they got, they go in there. They climb through the window or bust through the door like they normally do. They go in the house. They asking, calling for people. Nobody answering. They got their guns drawn for safety. They go upstairs. They go upstairs. And this is a trigger warning, so please, y'all, be careful when I describe this. This is a trigger warning. They go upstairs. They find this man's wife on in the bed, dead, like literally strangled, dead, face down. Y'all, uh, hold, hold on for one second, guys. So anyway, they're in horror. They're like, wait a minute. The man, wife did. So they know they got children. So they go all the way over to the other side of the room, to the other part of the house, upstairs to the next room, and they see the same thing with the kids. Choked out, just oof, dead. So when they see those two things, all, both kids, both little boys dead in their beds, they see all this writing spray painted on the wall, all right? And the painting, the spray painting on the wall in red with paint was punished. I am always watching. And up the staircase, you have paid. And, you know, by the time Chris gets there, 
you know, you know, that's a lot to tell this man. They got to tell Chris, hey, Chris, uh, yo, yo, you, you know, they didn't make it. You know, yo, yo, your family didn't make it. So Chris Coleman, you know, looking shocked, in shock, flustered. They don't know. He don't know what's going on. You know, the whole they, you know, they got to do what they got to do. They got to tell him to come downtown. They got to have a conversation, find out what he knows. So it's a real chaotic scene. Even the detective that went to find these kids said, you know, he'll never forget that day the rest of his life. You know, this is your neighbor. This is your hood. This is where you, you know, you live at. And you got to go to your neighbor house and find out that, that, that his wife and kid is dead. So while this is all going down, And everything else, they go and they they uh talk to him in a small room at the Columbia Peace uh, Police Station. Now he's wearing his T-shirt and his sleeves cut off. Now, I'm gonna see if I can get you some footage of some of the interrogation of what they say in the Chris. Now here's part one of the inve investigation. Would you like to discover the secret place on Facebook where all the high ticket, affluent, high net worth, qualified coaching? We've got, um, when, when you left the house this morning, was your wife alive? Oh, yeah. Um, what would you say if I told you I, that, that I don't think she was? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think she was. And she was. Okay. She was laying right beside me. Right. And I'm not doubting that. 
doubting that, that you were there, and I'm not doubting that you care, but I am I am doubting that she was alive when you left this morning. Physically, um, what we have are different ways to tell how long a person's been deceased. Mm -hmm. That was done, and what do you think that showed? I don't know. I guess the time frame when I was gone. I mean, no, you guys wrong. Chris, we, we need to get this resolved, okay? That you can't argue with physical evidence. Right. Right? I'm not trying to argue with it. All right. What, what I'm telling you is there is no other explanation. There's no other reason that the information we have would support what you're telling us, that it can't. Can't. You've told us a story, and we've gone over it numerous times. Right. You know what? We walk, walk out to Justin. Maybe, maybe we missed this. Let's go in and talk to him about this, and just make sure that we're not missing something. Let's give him every opportunity to tell us exactly what happened, and and maybe we're missing something. Right. So that's why we go out and we come back in, and we go out and we come back in. Right. I did have to use the restroom; that was legitimate. But we go out and we come back in, and. We felt very comfortable that we were giving you every opportunity to tell us something that was going to contradict the information that we had. Mm -hmm. All right, we, we've got this information, you're saying it, and, and, and we're giving you opportunity to, to give us something contrary to what you told us before, so that, okay, yeah, all right, that would make sense. That hasn't happened. I'm just that that hasn't happened. happened. Listen, man, she wasn't alive when, when you left. She was life. alive. But she, she was. She, she was laying right beside me. Listen to me. We can go back and forth with this all day long, but the physical evidence doesn't lie. She was. She was not alive when you left this morning. The children weren't alive when we left this morning. Yes, they were. No, come on, Chris. They we got We got to get over this. Now, there's reasons. There's reasons, and that's what we're. That's the point we're at. I want to hear the reasons. Now is when we need to find out what happened, man. It's so important. You're at a great point to be able to help us to try to figure this out. We already have a, we, we already know what happened. We need to know why it happened. I right, know what listen, to tell you. Listen, no, you do. You do know what to tell us. Oh, I don't. Come on, Chris. She was, she was not alive when you left. The children were not alive when you left. You know that's true, and I know that's true. No, just... We need to clear this up now. We need to clear it up now. Did something happen? What happened? Nothing what was happened. On, what was going on in your life, Chris? Because I can't buy what you're saying. The physical evidence does not lie, Chris. It does not. She was not alive when you left, period. The physical evidence does not lie, man. What do you want me to tell you? The I truth, don't. The truth. I'm telling you how the did, truth. How, how, did, how, did, how did we get to this point? That's what I need to know. I need to know how and why we got to the point we're at right now. We both know you're not telling me the truth. We both know that. I've done this a long time. I'm looking into your eyes, and I can tell you you're not being truthful, Chris. We need, we need an answer. We need our answers. As bad as this sounds, as bad as this looks, or you may think it looks, we understand, and I've talked to many people who have given me reasons, and it's like, you know what, okay, all right, I, I can understand how somebody might have been feeling that at that time. And, and maybe they acted on it, and they shouldn't have, and they regret it. There's no way to turn clocks back. You can't turn clocks back. You understand that, don't you? You can't turn the clock back. The only thing we can do is go forward from this point, and we need to know what and why it happened. Come on, Chris, help me out with this. I'm telling you, I've already told you. I've told everybody. I told the guy in the ambulance. I told you. I told him. The, the more we go back like this, the more it makes me think that there maybe isn't, even isn't a, a good explanation for it. I mean, I mean, 
we need to know what happened. We can't keep going on this. It didn't, you know, I, she was alive when I left. We know that's not true, and there's nothing we can do about changing that. If we know she wasn't alive when, when, when you left this morning, there's got to be an explanation. Now is the time to tell us. Now is the time to get this out of the open. I don't know what else to tell you. Yes, you do. Yes, no. you do. You have to tell me the truth, Chris. I am telling you the truth. You, you, were you involved in her death? No. Okay. Was someone you know involved in her death? I don't know. Did you know, um, did you, did you talk to anybody about arranging her death? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, you're, you're. So you saw that. So they are starting to really give him a little questions on this interrogation. He's saying, no, he doesn't know anything. But detectives can't understand and cannot get out of their head why Chris got all these scratches on his arms when he said that his wife was alive before he left and that him and his wife just had this amazing relationship. As time went on, people started telling the police about Chris was not the perfect husband he claimed to be and family man. They also started talking about him having an affair with Laura Lentz. Now, as this went on, even when they were having the wake and the funeral for with the kids, he was still contacting Laura Lentz. As time went on, he started doing things that just wasn't adding up to everybody. Like, uh, things like he was picking up the memorial for the, for his kids that was in the front yard and moving boxes out the house. And while moving boxes out of his house, he sees his memorial for his children, where people have took the time to build Legos, had Legos, and all these tributes, teddy bears, stuff like that for the kids, he threw it in the trash. Now, neighbors is like, wait a minute, who throws a memorial of their children in the trash? Like, the kids don't matter. Most people take that memorial, save it, preserve it, you know. I mean, that is your kids, right? Now, again, people was really starting to really, really starting to figure out what was going on. So they waiting on DNA testing during the whole time. And things like that. And they started looking at the AT&T uh, work of this investigation of the cell phone. And this is what they started noticing as they started to investigate more and more about this case. So the DNA they, they sent off found under Sherry's fingernail a partial profile. And that could have been Chris. But it could also belong to another male with a similar DNA pattern. None of the DNA found in the house points conclusively to a stranger 
So that right there, when they say no other DNA found conclusively to a stranger, that means that partial DNA with the pattern that matches whoever the person is in that house is usually the person that was in that house. On the day of the murders, the crime scene technicians scraped flecks of paint off the walls with a scalpel, used a black gel to capture footprint impressions and bag of miscellaneous of items, including hair and fibers, a Glock pistol, and a car pistol, a latex glove, any shoestring or phone cord that might have been used to strangle the victims, two cell phones, a Blackberry, and two laptop computers. Now, the analyst begins, and almost immediately, there's a breakthrough. The threats emailed on November 14th to Joyce Meyer, her son Danny Meyer, and her bodyguard, which is Chris Coleman, was sent from who what? Du, 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 you damn right. It was sent from Chris Coleman's computer. Wait a minute now. Why is these threats being sent from Chris Coleman's computer? They came from a destroyedchris at gmail.com and an account created the same evening on the same laptop. And Chris' work files contained the same misspelling opportunities. Damn, how you misspell that? That Sherry pointed out to police in one of the threat letters. The squad still had no paint can, no paint spattered clothing, no murder weapon. They reviewed Chris's behavior the morning of May 5th. He made his first call to Sherry at 5.43 in the a.m. Just as he was pulling away from their home, he said he was calling to wake her. Why not just touch her shoulder as he left? Exactly. They found no pattern to suggest a routinely call to wake her. You see that? They found no pattern. So he lied to the police. Said, oh, yeah, I usually call to wake my wife. The police look at everything. If you ain't got a pattern, you ain't got a, a, a pattern that, that, that shows that you call your wife on a regular, things already look suspicious. Chris takes home while he did his cardio. Are you awake? I know you was tired last night. I have about five minutes left on cardio, then I'll be home. Hello, you up? Time to get the kids up. He told the police he was worried when he didn't answer. Yet he did another 15 minutes when he left, when he first, when his first 20 were up. He called Barlow when he was five minutes from home. Then, according to an AT&T cell tower expert, he drove past his exit and was north of the depot when he made his next call. By the time he reached home, police officers were discovering his slain body family. So, basically, he was trying to give himself enough time to work the nerve to come to the spot and act like, you know how people do when they be on that bullshit. So he was what are you doing? He was he was being a total narcissist in the making. Now could it doesn't happen as he said after he left for the gym? The squad calls in the best of the best, Dr. Michael Bad. And this is the New York uh path um pathological um pathologist who stars on HBO autopsy and was consulted about the bodies of Martin Luther King Jr., John F. Kennedy. John Belushi, and Tsar Nicholas II of Russia. But on a conference call May 19th, Batten gives them his final opinion. Sherry and the boys were likely killed before 3 a.m., definitely way before 5 a.m., and probably closer to 3. The police hang up the phone and charge Chris Coleman with murder. Wow. 
ain't that crazy now people don't understand uh about what was going on with uh tara lynch the reason why tara lynch was needing help because of bad decisions tara lynch was working at a hostess at a gentleman's club and she was a cocktail waitress at the derby lane dog track in saints Petersburg. now the thing about uh laura lynch is like i said laura lynch was a woman of the world who basically was just trying to search for somebody to you know gravitate to you know but she was wild and crazy with it and everything else now people started talking about how chris really felt about his wife one neighbor uh chris bootler which is uh the lady that watches his that was uh her kids was friends with his kids uh miss redrick's fiance she hung out with chris okay he hung out with chris right once a month and he said that chris complained about his shotgun marriage he said he worked 80 and 90 hours a week protecting some millionaire lady i don't even like while my old lady gets to sit at home in a nice big house in may 2008 when they took their sons to see indiana jones and the kingdom of crystal skull chris said that bula now how much money he made and what he and what he do if vanessa put thousand dollars on his credit card at the mall he said i'm making a hundred grand a year and i gotta drive around in a clunker we're so far in credit card debt I knew he wasn't happy. He was always talking about not wanting to be with her, but not knowing what to do. He said if he got divorced, he'd lose his job. So he got together a polished, impressive resume at least three years earlier. Probably when Sherry started complaining about the demands of his job. Since then, he looked into starting a cleaning company or a gym and tanning salon. He made half-hearted launches of a training company and a video surveillance company. He told Bula the Meyer family 24-7 demands were getting on his nerves. And with all the travel, he didn't get enough time to spend with his kids. I don't think he wanted to spend time with his kids. I think that at this point, as I look into Chris, Chris just want, was felt like that he made a bad decision. He got married on a whim, and he found out that getting married on a whim and trying to keep that, that persona up of being a husband and a wife and i mean to being a husband and a father was more than he he could fucking devour and i think that he didn't have the balls to just shot his wife down and say hey i'd rather just not be married man i'd rather just take care of business get cut you you know pay for the the the, the freaking uh child support see my kids when i can see them or whatever arrangement he wanted to do i need more freedom because some people just ain't cut out to be a a a uh a mate they just not now he looked up the joyce though so much as that sherry told larry bridges then the youth passed at this that chris is emotionally attracted to joyce says bully he kind of thought the religious part was scamming he said i can't believe these people make 50 grand a year and write her a check for ten thousand. but then he'll defend her say she made her money by being an author 
He admired her as a person. He also liked the lifestyle, Richard said. He have on a really nice pair of jeans and say, oh, Joyce brought these for me. He had accompanied her everywhere when they traveled. So if they went shopping, she might buy him something too. His parents remember him saying, I guess I'm pretty close to Joyce because I know her bra and pant size. Now, the fourth fault line in the marriage was sex. Uh, Christine Sincata testified that Sherry told her in January 2009 that Chris had slept with her, a rare occurrence, then warned her not to think it meant he loved her. LaPlinta told police that Sherry had quoted Chris in bed, telling her to just shut up and turn over. And Sherry had added, he's not very affectionate to me. So I'll take whatever I can get. Wow. Isn't that something? So basically he would tell his wife, turn over and presume the position. He didn't look at his wife in love. He looked at her as property. Now, Richard remember one night when the Coleman's came over, the kids were downstairs playing and we were talking about sex. Chris said, I couldn't tell you the last time me, and her did that. What about you two? I said, we're very affectionate. Richard left the room, then returned. Here's some goodies. I'm going to keep your kids. You go have some alone time. She said, Sherry called the next morning and asked, where can I get some of that stuff? So, you know, it's just crazy. It really is. So he was just a total ass to this woman. So August the 6th, the river finally gone down. The police searched and trying to find whatever evidence they could, okay? And everything else. And then on his, well, excuse me, they, well, she was searching for something on the river. They couldn't find it. I had to make sure I had to read my notes. But anyway, one of the detectives went down there and messed up their leg. But while she was on office duty, and this is on February of uh, 9th, 2009, okay, that's when they had made the connection earlier that he brought this spray paint from the hardware store for $3.77, and it was the color red. So in 2011, they had the trial, okay? Man, let me tell y'all. When that trial came out, they had so much stuff on this man, it was insane. They had text messages about how him and this girl was talking, Laura Lentz, all the time. When we talking about pictures, we sit back and forth between each other. There was some pictures that was so scandalous I don't even think they'll ever release out to the public. Where they even made a sex video even while they was in Hawaii. Okay, that was in the evidence. A sex video. That's how much was going on in this man's life. Okay. And in, to me, I think it's disgusting. 
that Laura Lynch was supposed to be the best friend of Sherry, like a sister to her. They've been friends since high school. And she just boldly just sleep with her best friend's husband. Like it was another day at the park. Man, I tell you, you can't you can't trust anybody these days, man. You really can't. So after all of the testimony, even his girl Laura Lentz wound up uh testifying against him for the prosecution talking about the torrid affair how much they got it in i mean it was just brutal i mean it's just yeah it was just messed up how it all went down And not to mention, Lynch's testimony went over pretty fast. And she still didn't want to testify because she was still in love with this dude, but she had to. So, and they had Joyce Myers to testify. Now, Joyce Myers testified and said when they asked her if he would have got a divorce and it would have proved that it was because of extramarital affair, would he be fired or any of her employees that did such a thing would be fired? She testified and said, yes, that is how our operation worked. This is what we've been doing for the, the whole time. That is the basis of our ministry. Then she also testified that he was very professional with her. They never got, he, you know, they never crossed that line of bodyguard uh, slash, you know, uh, client relationship. Now, I think she also said in the testimony she did buy him a couple of gifts from time to time. But, you know, that's expected. It's a bodyguard. And Chris Coleman is considered attractive men to these women. I mean, you got to think about it. Every celebrity that got a bodyguard, they always get a good looking bodyguard. I've never seen a woman with an ugly manly bodyguard. They like nice looking eye candy to protect them and look at i mean you gotta think about it joyce Myers is worth millions of dollars i mean you think she going like be like oh well i just get me a little uh rough looking uh ugly guy come on now she's gonna have a look a bodyguard that's what they do that's how they that's how they work so anyway it goes during that trial I forgot what date it was, but it was in 2011. They found Chris Coleman after 15 hours of deliberation guilty on all charges of second degree murder. That's right. That was on May the 6th, 2011. So. They didn't give him the death penalty because, like you said, shout out to Roger, in Illinois, the death penalty is thrown out. Now, since then, there's been a lot of reports on this story. A lot of people have talked about uh, Chris Coleman. A lot of people have, you know, stated that this dude was somebody who nobody never thought would do that. And let me share with y'all how he look anyway. Because this time I didn't want to share his face. 
I didn't want to give him the satisfaction because I didn't really like this case. This guy was so disgusting how he did his family. I, I felt like he didn't need all that airtime. But, you know, I have to... But look at that. Look uh, there. Look at what this man threw away. This man has a beautiful family, beautiful wife, beautiful sons, and his sons look exactly like him. So that would really disturb me about this case. Like you a father that, you know, very religious, you're very manly, you take, you know, you lift weights, you, you know, take care of yourself. You would want to be, you want your children to be the same way. You know, that's the likeness of you. You got two young men that look like you. You would want them to be strong and, and, and to, hell, at least player lift, playerific. Like you, if you're trying to be a player like that, most dads would have, would have spared the children. You know, they want to get rid of the mom so damn bad. This just, to me, hurts, man. It really hurts my heart to see that he did that. It really does. Now, he claimed he's innocent. To this day, they got a Facebook page that says Chris Coleman is innocent. And he's got 500 likes on it. But guys, come on. How can he be innocent? The evidence is quite clear. The girl was killed before he went to gym at five. There is DNA profile underneath his fingernails. The, not to mention scratches on his arms he said it came from the gurney but these scratches are not even that not even that fresh from no gurney they look like they've been on there for about a couple of hours so dude stop it way before that i mean i just don't i'm sorry i don't think he's guilty i don't think he's innocent i think he's guilty i mean he really is So, with that being said, you know, his family still, you know, trying to uh, stand up for their son. So, now he's in prison. He's in uh, Monroe County prison system in Illinois. He's a model prisoner. He's preaching the word to the to the young to the to the young people you know he all being about peaceful and love god and everything else And I think they sold the house too. 
So the house is sold. Now, I don't know what happened to all the money he made. I'm quite sure that it probably went to the trust of the estate of his late parents or whatever. But it's sad, man. It's a sad case. I I think to me that him being in prison for the rest of his life was too easy. You know, there's some people that just deserve the death penalty. And when it comes to this guy here, he needed the death penalty. I don't, why, why have him in prison preaching the word? I mean, I'm sorry, but I can't go by the word of someone who killed their wife and their kids over a woman that was her best friend. I'm sorry. If you do something like that, you'll do anything. Yeah, you know that that's going to be like that, Roger. But anyway, uh, y'all get in the comment section uh, as well off of this case. Tell me what y'all think. Do y'all think that uh, Chris Coleman is innocent and that with all the appeals he keeps filing, he's going to ever get out? Or do you think that Chris Coleman um, should accept the fact of the matter that he committed a horrendous crime and he should suck it up and stay in prison for the rest of his life and die there? Also, I got a note to talk about here. Now, I had somebody come in my comment section on my channel about the last case I did about the young man who uh, killed his parents, okay, and his little brother. The girl, I guess, though, he personally talking about he's remorseful and, you know, I shouldn't go as hard as I went on him and this, that, and the third. Well, I'm sorry. This is my channel. And I bring people the facts of the case, and I also going to put in my two cents. If you don't like my two cents, you can do one or two things. You can either A, put it a thumbs down and keep it moving, or B, if you want to leave a comment, leave a comment of positivity. Now, if you got any, any, any uh, discretions of what I report, I have an email address attached to everything that I put on this channel. You can easily go find my email and email me back and it'll take the two seconds i look at my email daily and say hey joel i didn't like this story i feel like that you should have put this that and the third in there but don't be coming on my channel trying to save grace for people that you know and i know are guilty he killed his parents he's guilty i don't give a shit about no remorse he didn't show it the day of court so why should i believe he's going to show it now sorry i did some things you don't get a second chance from okay you killed people that gave you life and you killed someone that you love and these people same thing with this father here he married this woman created two kids and he killed them for a woman for a woman now she wasn't a troll roger she was an actual real uh person i mean i subscribe to her i mean whatever but I, i'm sorry I don't give a shit. You kill your whole family and you and there's proof in the pudding. Ain't no forgiveness for that. No, this guy isn't either. None of them ever are. Because the only time they want to be remorseful when it's time to go up for parole or appeals. These are monsters. Sorry. You have to be a monster to kill the people that you love. Okay, she didn't want to divorce you. You could have served her the divorce papers, dog. 
People do it all the time. What's she gonna do with that? And she keeps saying that she don't, you can go to court and divorce her. You know, you can go to court and divorce somebody and they don't have to divorce you. You could divorce from them and they have to pay the other half to actually keep your last thing because you said, I don't want it. I don't want you to have it. For real. Like it's a it's law. So I don't know why these guys act like they can't get divorced. And so what? You got to pay a little alimony or whatever have you. Okay, but you're free. You can always restart. You know what's amazing about life, guys? And I got to say this before I end my broadcast. I usually don't do this life lessons on these cases. But you know what's amazing about life? Life has this thing called tryagain.com while you're alive. Tryagain.com. So that means if you fail at something, you got a chance to try something else or try that same thing again. If you don't believe me, ask Dog the Bounty Hunter that's gotten married six times. I guess he don't mind trying again. I'd rather try again over and over and be free than not trying again and be in a cell where somebody tells me when to eat, when to piss, and when to take a dump. Sorry, not trying to feel that. And when to wash my behind and when I have to watch out for somebody either going to violate me or want to jab me because they don't like the fact that I looked at them today while going to lunch. I'm just saying, man, these are things people better start realizing. Freedom is important. Yeah, I want to look that one up, Roger, and find that out. But please, like, share, subscribe, get in the comment section. Tell me what you think about this case. Y'all know how I do. I am out.